Welcome to No Truth Culture, where you know truth or you have no truth. I'm your host, Mr. Misunderstood, and I'll be having the distinct privilege and honor of helping you rip the Band-Aid off when it comes to all things truth in culture today. As always, to stay up to date with all things No Truth Culture, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or the episode description. To help support us here financially, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once on the website, click on support. Well, without further ado, buckle up and get ready because it's time to rip the band-aid off so the truth can set you free. Well, welcome in to this amazing and glorious podcast. Uh, just a little bit of a rundown for the episode overview of today's podcast. We're going to be going over the introduction, uh, what the point of the podcast is, why am I doing this, who am I, what do I know, how can I possibly help anyone, and so many other questions will be answered on this first edition of this podcast as well as we're going to be introducing a fun little segment called Biblical Question. And then I will give the answer to that question at some random point throughout the episode to keep you engaged and to leave you speculating as to when that answer is going to reveal itself. And then we're going to be diving into prayer and fasting. We're going to be asking some uh hot topics, going over some hot topics, asking some tough questions, talking about um, Joseph and just diving into that whole story in the book of Genesis. It's fascinating. It's what I've been going through as of late in my Bible reading plan. And so I just kind of, it's on the brain. It's on the, what I'm thinking about, what I'm going through, what I'm processing. And so why not process it on the podcast with you and we'll dive into that headstrong, and, and uh, we're we're just gonna go full on into it. The other thing we'll be talking about is if you plan to fail, you fail to plan. Or let me rephrase that: if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. There, I said it correctly. The the second go of it, and so we're gonna be going in and diving and seeing what really that boils down to, what that means, how that can help you scratch the surface of uh, thoughts and diving into provoking thoughts. And I want to massage the brain. We got to get the the massager out and just get into the brain and massage it. And so um, that's what I want to do. I want to get to where we're, you know, having some intellect, some dialogue, some uh, hot topic discussions, some things that are just uh, some meat potatoes. We're going to get fed today. We're going to get spiritually fed. And I'm not talking some roughage or, you know, um, garbage. Roughage ain't garbage. But I'm not talking about the trash, the sugars. I'm talking the meat and potatoes. That's what we're going to be diving into. That's what we're going to be getting in ahead of. So I want to just first introduce myself um, at the top of the show. As you know, uh, I, I said, I'm Mr. Misunderstood. 
and uh, I'll be hosting each and every one of these episodes, uh, God willing. And so that's what we're uh, cooking up here. Um, basically, to in- introduce myself, living in the United States of America, but was not born here. But I wouldn't trade living in this country for any other country in the entire world. And if you would have told me that or asked me if I'd say that um, in 2006, the answer flat out would have been, you're crazy. No, I don't like America. I hate America. I hate what it stands for. On and on and on and on and on. I just would have been ragging it and bashing it. And that's just pretty much what a lot of other countries get into is that kind of dynamic of bashing America, hating America. And they don't really have a foundation as to why that is the case. So, you know, I had to get away from that. But um, it, it took some deprogramming, I guess, would be a good word for it. Some unfiltering of the mind, um, unbrainwashing, debrainwashing myself, if that's even a word, probably not. But you just have to get out of your own way when it comes to certain things and come to your own conclusions, your own beliefs, and stop believing what other people think and what other people say. So basically, uh, I was born and raised in the wonderful nation of Canada. And the minute I say that, people start laughing because of the way that things are being run over there right now is quite crazy to say the least. But it is what it is. I'm not there. You know, it's one of those things that God's in control at the end of the day. That doesn't excuse us from our role in society. You know, I'm going to get back to the introduction of this, but now that I'm here, this is something I want to touch. This topic of um, not wanting to or or using um, God's in control as a cop-out, as to basically saying, you know, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do, or I'm not going to do this, thus and such, because, well, God's in control. You know, I'm not going to go out and work or do this job, or make this money because, oh, well, God will provide, and God will take care of me, and God will do this, and God will do that. And that's true. He can, and he will do those things, but there's give and take. There's a picture of when you come into a relationship with God, you're running to him, and he's running to you. He doesn't just run to you, and you don't run to him. It doesn't work. You have to make the first move. You have to make the, the decision and the determination in and of yourself to say, you know what, God, I'm running to you because I don't want to do this on my own. And so I'm going to make that step, take that leap and run to you. And then he will end up running back to you and meet you in the middle. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of what God's all about is that he's not going to let you do it all on your own. He sees you making effort and putting in work to pursue him and to do what he wants you to do and to be an ambassador for his kingdom and his work on earth. And he's going to reward you for that effort and do things for you to help you with strength, with resolve, with perseverance, with all these things James talks about and in the Bible and so many other people, Paul, you know, running the race and finishing the race and work ethic and all this stuff about 
just being willing to do what God wants you to do. But I say all that to say this. I just hear people, and I've run into a few of them, and one recently, that use this excuse of, I don't do this because, well, God's in control. So whether or not I do A, B, C, or D, at the end of the day, God's in control. So it's almost like, well, I'm just going to let my foot off the gas and coast because at the end of the day, God's in control. So I've got nothing to worry about because I'm good. God's in control. He's got me. So I don't need to do anything. They don't even say it themselves these people that I've talked to and had these conversations with, they don't even literally say that, but it's subconsciously there. When you have that mindset, it's innately in you to have, well, the reason why you have that philosophy and you live your life that way is because you believe deep down in your heart, whether you see it or not, that's to be determined, but you believe deep down in your heart, somewhere inside of you that I don't have to do work I don't have to do my part or try and make things or the world a better place or do this or that or outreach or witness to the lost or be a good influencer or a good testimony because, well, God's in control. So whether or not this happens or that happens, at the end of the day, God's in control and that's all that matters. So it's a philosophy we have to get away from as a society and a culture because it's killing and destroying our humanity, our world, our perseverance and our strategy to pursue God and give him all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to want to be a difference maker for him and pursuing him is this issue of you have to break away. It's like you're being a slave to this laziness and this complacency and this spirit of, I don't even know what, not goodness. So you have to get away from that. You have to break away from it and say, you know what? Yeah, God's in control, but I still need to do my part. And I still need to ask God what he wants me to do to be the best version of myself that I can be so that I can do something for him today, tomorrow, and the next day, or however long I have to live on this earth. Because at the end of the day, you don't die with a hearse behind you with all your stuff, with all the wealth you've accumulated, with all the things you've done, all the accolades, all the trophies, all the money in your wallet. None of that goes with you when you die. The only thing that matters, that's why Ecclesiastes is one of the most powerful books in the Bible. It's one of the most underrated, underappreciated, unread books in the Bible because people think it's a depressing book. Really, it's the most enlightening and powerfully inspiring book that you could probably read outside of the Proverbs that should be read every day, in my humble opinion, should be. I don't like to be a you need to be kind of person. So I highly recommend getting into the word and reading Ecclesiastes. And you should, you should want to read it yourself and not be pushed into reading it. I would say once a year, twice a year through that whole book, kind of like the Proverbs of the Psalms and the Bible reading plan that I read, I read the Psalms twice a year and the Proverbs, I read it all throughout the year. And I do some New Testament, some Old Testament, but I'm telling you that Ecclesiastes is life-changing. It's transformational. It's awe-inspiring. It's a book that just, it's like chasing the wind. That's what it is. When you're doing things that are building wealth or accumulating trophies or you have all these accolades, none of that goes with you when you die. 
you know, there's an old saying I was telling somebody the other day, we all have toe tags on. We just don't have the date on them yet. So we're all wearing them. They're all dangling figuratively, you know, not literally, figuratively from our toes. They're dangling there and you're just waiting for God to put the stamp on it saying, that's your day. This is the date you die. He already knows. So he's giving you time to figure out your life, to figure out the impact that you can make with the callings, the gifts, the talents, the this, the that, that he has given you to go do something for him so that you're not chasing the wind and pursuing things that don't have any value or substance and that don't go with you when you die. Because a question that I ask myself a lot lately and that I highly recommend you ask yourself is if I were to die right now, who would show up at my funeral? What impact has the decisions and the things that I've done and the decisions I've made, what impact have they had on people, on society, on the world to get people into a place where that man made a difference I'm going to his funeral. I didn't know him on a personal level, but because he inspired me so much with a book that he wrote, with a song that he sang, with a song that he wrote, with a movie he put out or the acted in or this, that, and the other, that man, that woman, they inspired me to pursue God in a rich and mighty and powerful way. And I want to go to their funeral. I don't care if I live 10 million miles away to the moon and back, I'm getting to that person's funeral. And if I can't, then I'll stream it. I'll do something. I'll go to the grave in a year or two. I'll do something. That's the kind of life you should want to live is if I died right now, boom, it hit. Where would I go when I die? A is the first question you ought to ask. B, who would show up at my funeral? What impact did my life have? Because everything else is like chasing the wind. That's that's basically the rundown of what Ecclesiastes is all about is... Solomon realizing that everything, he had it all. He had all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the this, all of that. He had everything. And yet it's like chasing the wind. But if you pursue God and if you have an excellent and unique relationship with him, then that's what it's all about. Because nothing else matters. It all fades. It all rusts. It all gets depleted. It all goes bad. It all goes stale. It all, it's just, it gets destroyed. It, that's just the way it goes. But God, he remains forever. He remains steadfast and faithful. He remains tried and true. And when you die and stand before him, he's not going to ask you how much money you had when you died because somebody else is going to end up spending it anyway. So no matter how much money you make, how much money you spend, or I'm sorry, you accumulate in your lifetime, chances are you could save up $100 billion like an Elon Musk or somebody like that. You ain't spending it. So who's going to spend it when you die? That's a terrible thought. If you really think about it, you make billions of dollars and then you sit there and you think to yourself, I wonder who's going to spend this when I die? How much work I put into this? Are they going to have the same kind of ethics and values and morals and financial restraint that I've shown and stuff like that over the years to grab my, you know, to, to grab themselves up by the bootstraps and make something of their life and make an impact with the money that they spend. You know, you get guys like the person of Hobby Lobby, the guy that owned Hobby Lobby. And he's like, you know what? I don't care about money. I'm going to sell this company for God or do whatever he ended up doing with it. And I'm going to do it for God. And it's beautiful. And, and this is the direction I'm going to go in. And this is what I'm going to do with it. And basically what he's saying is money means nothing. My relationship with God means everything to me. So if God giveth, God can taketh away. 
And we like to hear the preaching about how God's going to bless you and God's going to speak to you and God's going to move mountains for you and God's going to do this for you. But what about when God slams a door shut? Then what? What about when God tells you he doesn't want you to be around X, Y, and Z person because they're toxic and they're not good for you and that's going to head you down a treacherous path that on the fast track to hell on a grease slippery pole that's not going to get you back up and he's trying to save you from yourself. So he's like, you know, just cut that person out. That relationship isn't for you. You need, I'm shutting that door. And there you are trying to climb up in a window, trying to, he's like, he ain't opening the door back up here. The door ain't open. So he, he done locked it. He bolted that thing shut. He ain't going to open it again. But then you get your, you, you get in this place and this mindset where, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, you know, who's God to tell me anything and blah, 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 blah. And then you're going to get up in and you're going to be all high and mighty and all angry and bitter and resentful and whatever else towards God and trying to jump up in a window. And then you get in through the window and then what? It's not where he wants you to be, so you're not going to be happy. And even if you get him through there, it might kill you because there's a reason why he shut the door. And so you have to understand there's a reason, there's a rhyme and a reason you you shut the door. I'm starting up this podcast. I started, I did a podcast in 2021, about uh, not too a handful of episodes came out that I did uh, over the years or over that it was a four week period. I did like four, four episodes and then I stopped it and I didn't get back to it. And now I am doing it again in a whole new way. And it's powerful. But I say all that to say this, God shut that door. Maybe he shut it for a season. Maybe it's for eternity. Who knows why God does what he does. We don't have all the answers. He's not going to give us all the answers and we shouldn't expect him to, because that's just not our place. So he shut that door and I don't like a shut door. A shut door sucks. It's, it's violent. It's painful. It's you, you want to kick and scream and scratch and claw and just get volatile and angry and filled with rage and bitter and hate God and whatever else and curse him out. And just, it's ugly. You don't want to get there. So anyways, I say all that to say this, that door got shut and I tried to start that, that back up using the same hosting platform that I used the first go around and that door got shut. And so I'm like, no, but I really like this platform that I hosted it with. You know, I didn't have problems with them. Yeah. They could have made some improvements. They could have done this. They could have done that, whatever. Nobody's perfect. I don't expect perfection. We're human. I get it. The end of the day, it's people making these programs. There's going to be flaws. Some, some companies are going to do it better in ways that the one company doesn't, and then that company that doesn't do it certain ways as good as the other company, vice versa. So there's always going to be take two companies, one, and they do the same product line. One's going to have certain things they do well, and then they're going to have weak points. And then the other company's strong points is going to be that other company's weak points and vice versa. Basically what I'm trying to say. So that was the case with the first hosting platform that I had. And then I looked into other ones with some smarts and trying to figure out, okay, well, who's a big name or who are some big names in podcasting? Who do they go with? You know, it's just a thought provoking question. Who do they sign up with? Who are their hosting platforms? Because chances are, if you get your big names going with a platform, there's a reason why they go with them because they got the box so they can go wherever they want. So if they got their box and they're backing this horse, well, obviously it's a good horse to back. You know, I mean, it's trial and error at the end of the day. It might not be, but 
the chances of it are being very high. So I'm going to back that horse. I'm going to get on that horse and ride it out for a little while. And if it doesn't, if it's not a good fit, we'll go somewhere else. If it is a good fit, great, fantastic. So that door got shut. And then not like four or five days later, right after I heard a sermon about God shutting doors and it just dawned on me and I'm like, you know, God shut that door and it hurt. I didn't like it. But then he opened up another door to a hosting platform that was leaps and bounds better in so many areas. And I think so far it's a great fit. And so I could have tried to get in a window over there and, you know, finagle my way in it. And I probably could have done it because there was, so they weren't taking on residential or like personal clients anymore. They were taking on enterprise clients. So I could have gone that route if I had the money to do it, but, and I could have scratched and clawed and, where there's a will, there's a way. The human will is very strong and determined. So if you tell a human no, and they want to do it, they're going to find a way, even if it's wrong. That's just the human will. They're going to want to do it. They're going to want to find a way. They're going to make it happen. That's just the way it works. So you can't, you can't be like that. It's not. It's toxic. It's not good. And so sometimes I catch myself getting like that, and I don't want it. So it's toxic. It's not what I want. X nay on that. Cast it out. See you later, devil. Adios. So that platform was gone. And then it was like a few days later, this other door opened up and I was like, huh, this is kind of different and unique. And, and I got to researching it because I don't do a lot of things without doing research, my due diligence. And so I got to researching it and I'm like, man, this is actually turning out to be a really good fit. And so the, I say all that to say this, if you get nothing else out of this whole thing of me rambling on and on and on, this is what I, this is the point. This is the meat and potatoes of that whole thing right here. He shuts the door. Don't try climbing in a window. Don't try busting the door down. There's a reason why he shut the door and the door, if it came back open, which he was not going to open it, but if it did, or you get in through a window or an alternative route, it could kill you. It could really hurt you. It could damage you or generations after you in your family line. That's just Bible. So he shut that door for me. But then, but God, but then he opened the next door. So he's shutting one door. God doesn't tend to shut one door without opening another one or already having another one open. It's just going to be opened in his timing. So it could be that day. For me, it was four or five days later. And some research was done and it wasn't just, I didn't just stumble upon this one. It was the next thing. There were some, a couple others that I was, two or three others that I was wrestling around with before I got to the one I'm at now. So, you know, again, it's trial and error, figure it out. And then I got to this one and I'm like, this seems like a great fit. This is what I want. This is, these are my objectives. This is what I want to do. This is where I see this going. I want to have multiple, multiple different branches off of this thing. And I want to have this, 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 and this. And this company is the only one that fulfilled and, and marked everything off and fulfilled everything that I needed and everything, that my needs, my wants, my desires, and my pursuits. So you got to have a plan. And once you make that plan, then you got to, okay, who fits best with what I'm going to do? None of them are going to fit it 100%. It's just not going to happen. Don't even think it. So what one's going to get me the closest to it? Okay, it's this one. Boom, let's go with there. So that's just the reality of it is you got to use some wisdom and pray for wisdom because wisdom isn't just something that comes in the spur of the moment or the, you got to pray for it. Solomon prayed for wisdom. 
God could, God said he could have asked for anything under the sun and he asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom and God gave it to him and then he gave him everything else he didn't even ask for. So it's a remarkable thing when you do what God wants you to do, how he's going to turn around and bless you and go above and beyond what you even thought was capable. And it's just, it's just really awe inspiring and incredible when you really boil it down and think about it. Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to be able to listen to each and every episode seamlessly and without the interruptions of ads and sponsorships? Well, we've got some great news for you today. We've listened and are now doing something about it for you. Say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and many, many more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. Follow No Truth and myself, Mr. Misunderstood, on all major social media platforms by going to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, click on social media. Become a Crusader Insider for free today by going to our website links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, just scroll to the bottom of the page and fill out your full name and email address in the proper fields and hit submit. And you'll officially be a Crusader Insider, which is going to gain you access to insider information, all the latest and greatest new things happening within our podcast franchise, companies, all the updates, promotions, offers, and future merchandise that's going to be coming soon and much, much more. You won't want to miss it. So make sure that you become a Crusader Insider today. Back into what I totally got off on a tangent there for the first little bit of this episode. So now we're going to get back, rewind back to the main um, point of the introduction of why this episode, why this podcast, who am I? Why am I doing this? What What's the point? Why me? How can I help people? Do you think you're better than anybody else? The answer simply is no to that. A lot of the times I think I'm worse than a lot of people. Humbly can admit that. It's not true. It's the devil. He's a liar. Just speaking facts. Um, but the introduction. So the, this, the whole crux and the whole meat and potatoes, why, why this podcast? Why me? Why now? Why do it? We just live in a day and age in a culture where it's like just so toxic and just filled with such vitriol and hatred and bitterness and greed and envy and strife and wickedness and just hatred for simple people, hatred for life, hatred for anything and everything. People are going to hate it because they just want to hate it. And I'm just not of that mind. So I think the, the basic rundown I can give it to you as straight as I can. Just remove all of it unfiltered. Truth. The word truth. It's just dying. Nobody wants truth. Lies have become truth. Truth have become lies. You see it in the political landscape. You see it in movies and schools and shopping and the things you buy, the things you wear, the things you do, the things you say, the things you get taught, the things this, the things that... 
there's just a removal of truth because nobody wants to quote unquote get offended anymore. And so to not get offended, quote unquote, they just would rather have no truth. And so that's what bred this idea. Um, I got inspired by some people, by God, by the Holy Spirit. And one thing led to another. I decided to kill off the old title of the old podcast I used to do and totally redo something completely different and move in a different direction. And so up birth this, and I just rolled with no truth or you have. It's no truth or you'll have no truth. That's the punchline. That's the tagline. That's the slogan. That's the mantra. That's the motto. That's everything that this show, that this podcast, that this franchise, it's all about no truth or you'll have no truth. And that's just as simplistic as I could ever make it. And to take it even further, just a little bit further, you could have the idea of so many other things. Truth is, it's not what people say it is anymore. There's just, it's just not. Truth is what God says it is. God is truth. The word of God is truth. Jesus is truth. When you speak truth, that's just what it's all about. And it just leads me right into this article that I saw online from, I don't even know where, but it says, so what is truth? Here's a simple definition drawn from what the Bible teaches. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, truth is the self-expression of God. That is the biblical meaning of truth. Because the definition of truth flows from God, truth is theological. That's just what truth is. So let me restate that from this article that I'm reading. It says, truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. So anything outside of those parameters is not truth. There is no such thing as my truth and your truth. There is only one truth, and it is God's truth. And if I could pull it up real quick, here we go. I'm going to give it to you straight. This is the slogan again, and then this is the mission statement of this podcast franchise. So, and I say franchise because this is the first one. This is the this is the firstborn child. Then the secondborn child is no truth politics. And that episode, first one, this one's first one for culture, no truth culture, first episode today. Next baby, baby number two is on the way. It's getting delivered tomorrow. No truth politics. We're bringing truth back into politics, baby. And it's happening tomorrow. First episode, just a cheap plug for you. It's coming tomorrow morning. So you won't want to miss it. So that's why I'm saying it's a franchise because this, this is this is the first baby. Then there's more. There will be more. There won't even just be two. There's two for now, but there will be more. That's the plan. That's the desire. That's the hope. God willing, there will be more. So again, let's get to off the tangent, back on track. So here is the slogan tagline of the franchise with the following mission statement. Here it is straight up from the heart. You, so it's no truth or you'll have no truth. And then it says, in order to know truth, you must know God because God is truth. 
There is no such thing as my truth and your truth. And I put those in quotes because there's only one truth and it's just the truth. John 14, 6, NLT version. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. That is the crux, the heart, the mission of this podcast franchise is bringing the truth back into culture, bringing the truth back tomorrow into politics, bringing the truth back because it's coming back, baby. And we're going to do it. And we're going to do it one day at a time, one second at a time, one minute, one day, one hour, one week, one year. It's coming back. We're going to take this nation back and we're going to take the world back. And it starts by bringing back the truth, not my truth, not your truth, just the truth. That's it. That's all it is. That's all it will ever be. And God is that because he is the truth. And whatever he says is truth. Whatever he believes is truth because he is the truth. So with that being said, the introduction, the questions one would have on their mind, like I said earlier, is simply, you know, why me? Why do it? Why why take that leap? You know, there's people that I watch in the political realm, like um, Tucker Carlson or many others. I say names, people get offended, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, I watch Tucker Carlson tonight. Sue me. Uh, it's a phenomenal show. Just cheap plug right there for you. So anyways, people like that, he'll have interviews on. And it's not just him. You look at the right, you look at the left. They're all the same in the, in the sense that they'll conduct an interview and then they'll ask the person, why do you believe this? Why this? Why that? How'd you come to that conclusion? So on and so forth. And so that's, you know, it's typical. You're going to have the why. So let's put you in the interviewer's shoes and you're asking me, why? Why? choose this podcast? Why have this idea? Why? And the simple answer is we need to bring the truth back into this country, into our houses, into our minds, our hearts, our souls. And we need to stop getting so easily, easily, and I say easily offended by everyone and every little thing. It's okay for somebody to speak truth to me, to you, to anybody. And it's going to hurt. It's going to sting. It's not delicious. It's like getting hit in the jaw. It doesn't, it doesn't tickle. It's not fun. But it's like taking medicine. What medicine? Have you ever heard of Buckley's or, or one of these other medicines that, uh, you know, it doesn't taste like very good, but it sure does feel good when you start feeling better. Well, truth doesn't taste good when it's getting going down, but it sure does taste good when it's sitting in there for a while and you're stewing on it and it's bringing the healing that it needs to bring because truth will bring healing. Lies will bring the opposite of healing. They'll bring hurt, but truth will bring the healing. And so I just want to bring truth back into the world, into my mind, into my heart, into my soul, and facilitate orchestrating that belief and that truth back into your life and your family and your workplace your friends and the people that you're around and bringing you and giving you the creed or the, or the power or the wherewithal and the, the, the mindset of, I can do this. I can speak truth. I don't have to be afraid of will they or won't they accept me? Will they get offended with me? Will I lose their friendship? Let me cheap plug here for a second. Whoop, pause, hit the brakes. 
if they're willing to abandon you over you speaking truth, were they really your friend in the first place? The answer is no. It's simple. The answer is N-O, no, they were not. So they probably aren't beneficial to you anyway. So if they decide to leave you, well, kudos. Wipe the dust off your feet like the Bible says. Kick the dust off your feet. On to the next. It sounds harsh. It is, but it's the truth. It's medicine for your soul. Do with that what you will. It's free. And so that's the main crux of why why the podcast, why this is just the idea of let's bring truth back to the forefront of hearts and minds in this country and not just in culture, which is the focus of this particular podcast, but in many different realms, politics, again, tomorrow, and so many others. And I won't say what those other ones are because I'm not giving spoilers, not until the baby's ready to be born. Am I giving any of the deets out? It's not going to happen. So the deets are out for the two that are coming. But well, this one's here. This one's been born today. It's born. And um, uh, the next one will be born tomorrow. And then the next one after that, we'll see. God knows. It's all in his timing. Just leave it up to him and pray and, and work through that. And that's what I'm doing. I'm working through it. So, you know, the cancel culture mentality and mindset is really what sparked a lot of this because I'm just tired of the softies. I'm tired of the people that can't. Um take truth. They just get offended at every little thing. It's just mind boggling to me. I had an individual that uh, is no longer involved in my life, unfortunately, um, to an extent, you know, maybe it's for the better. Who knows? Um, God does. But, you know, some, like I said earlier, we're not always going to know why God does what he does, why people do what they do. But at the end of the day, we don't need to have all the answers. We just need to be obedient to God and keep on keeping on. But I had this incident with this individual who I like Brothers Osborne. I think they're a tremendous band that sings some decent songs. Now, the caveat to that is, if the music that they sing, play, perform, write, whatever, would cause you to stumble in any way, in any way, with, within the confines of your walk with the Lord, then I do not recommend you listen to it. It's just that simple. Just stay away from it. It's toxic for you. Don't do it. That's just the reality of it. But for me, it's not that way. So I enjoy it, but certain people may not be able to enjoy it. That's fine. Everybody's got their weaknesses. I have mine and that's fine. So there's certain things that I have to stay away from that you may be able to pursue. That's totally normal. That's human. We're not, it's not a one size fits all. This isn't socialism. So with that being said, Brother Osborne, they came out. One of the guys, the lead singer came out as a homosexual and People are up in arms about it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. It's not Bible. Straight up, that's just the truth. Do with that what you will. And but that's besides the point. The point here that I'm trying to make is that this individual decided to shut a song off the radio because he came out as a homosexual. And so now that he's a homosexual, he can't listen to his music anymore because of X, Y, and Z. And it just didn't really make any sense to me because... He wasn't singing about homosexual things. He was just singing a song that had nothing to do with that. If he's singing a song about homosexual things, I ain't going to listen. I'm checked out. See you later. That's not right. That's not of God. I'm not going to do it. But if it's just a song and it's got no sinful meaning or connotations to it or whatever, and it's a good song and it's upbeat and it's going to help me and 
you know, that's what music does. It's powerful. It helps you and on and on and on. If it's going to do that, great. Listen to it. It's fine. But anyway, so he canceled the song, cancel culture. He canceled the song. He turned it off. And then I wrote him a little bit about it. Cause I'm like, come on, man, you can't be one of those cancel culture fanatics. It's the minute something goes awry or they do X, Y, and Z, you're just going to throw a baby out with the bathwater and kill him and be done with it and whatever the case may be. And I mean, not literally kill them, but like figuratively kill their music in your life and so on and so forth. And just that that's the road you're going to take. That's what he is. That's his hardline stance. And that's what he's going to do. And so he did it and I called him out on it. And then instead of humbling himself and admitting, Hey, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe this is why I did it. This is a belief I have in it. You know, we could have come to some common ground. But no, he decided it would be in his best interest to act a fool, do some stupid things, storm out. And I haven't seen the individual since. And oh, and the other part of it was throw me under the bus for something I did two months, a month prior, which didn't really make much sense. But that's typically what somebody will do when they're not wanting to humble themselves is they'll try and find a fault in you, whether it's from 2000 years ago. We're very familiar with this in the political realm as of late. But it happens in culture. It happens in every regular everyday people lives, people's lives. And um, it happened here. And I just wasn't going to put up with it. And so I stood my ground and said, you know what, this is a toxic relationship. And that's that. And so I've not gone back to that toxic relationship since that uh, event took place. And that's fine. Um, sometimes that's the way that life goes and the beat goes on, as they say, and the beat went on for me. And so that was a crux or a catalyst for the initial reason why I started a podcast in 2021. And then I got away from it. Life happens, so on and so forth. And now I'm getting back into the game and fighting the good fight because like I said, the biggest thing that got me inspired to do it this time is what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Who's going to show up at my funeral when I die? And why would they want to do it? What impact did I make on their life? And I just asked myself that simple question. I said, I'm not doing enough. I need to do something. I don't care if I have one listener or a million listeners. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't care because I do care, but it ought not to be the main focus is why I say I don't care because it ought not to be the main focus of why I do this. If Whether I have one listener or a million, I have one set of ears that want to listen to what I have to say that might transform their life for the betterment of God's kingdom. And therefore I make an impact on them or on you. And that's what this is all about. So I want to make an impact on you, wherever you are. That's what I want to do. That's the goal. That's the aim. And whether you show up at my funeral, that's between you and God. And I'll be dead, so it wouldn't really matter to me much whether or not you showed up. It'd be cool for my family to see it, I guess. But uh, I'll be dead, so it wouldn't really matter too much for me. But with that being said, I want to dive into um, the biblical question of the day. And it is simply this. Did the devil have a hand in what Jesus did on the cross and him even going to the cross in the first place? So let me read it again. And I'll answer this question before this episode runs its course. 
I intend to answer this question. You just don't know when it will happen because I want you to stay engaged. So it's a guessing game. Will he do it at the 30th minute? Well, we're already past that. So nope. Will he do it at the this minute or that minute? You'll have to stay tuned to find out. But I'll reiterate the question. So food for thought. Think about it. Answer it for yourself. Did the devil have a hand in what Jesus did on the cross and him even going to the cross itself? I will answer that question soon. So stay tuned for the answer to that question. Now on to prayer and fasting. I've listened to a lot of sermons as of late on prayer and fasting. And it's the start of the year. I guess a lot of churches and denominations, they believe in the power of fasting to start your year. Give God the first fruits of your year and he will bless you. I understand the principle of it and I get it because I will flat out tell you this. Fasting is one of the most underperformed things in the church today. I will say it again. Fasting is one of the most underperformed spiritual things and qualities performed in the church and in Christianity today. And it ought not be the case because we ought to be praying and we ought to be fasting. There are stories upon stories in the Bible of people. Well, there's one in particular. I can't remember exactly where it is off the top of my head. But there's one in particular where they're trying to cast out demons and it says it won't. We can't get it out of them. Jesus, we can't get out of them. And he says, this kind will only come out via prayer and fasting. So there's certain things you may be going through in your life, some difficult times some difficult situations, some painful points, and they may only be fought or overcome or destroyed or healing will be happening or whatever the case may be. It only may come through prayer and fasting and fasting, fasting. See, see, just say it, just say it, speak it, speak it into your life. Fasting. It's not that hard. It's, I mean, it, it is very hard, but it's not that difficult to say. And it's even more doable when you have God at the forefront of your heart and mind, seeking him with every fiber of your being, helping you to do it. It's, um, you'll have breakthrough. You'll have spiritual clarity, but most importantly, you'll have self-control and discipline. That is the one, those are the two things that it teaches you more than anything else is it gives you self-control and discipline to say no to the flesh and to say yes to the spirit of God leading you in your life. That is the power of what fasting can do for you. Forget about the, oh, it'll bless your life. It'll this, it'll that. I get that. That can happen. Praise God when it does but that shouldn't be the reason why you do it. You don't do things to get blessed. You do them to honor God and because it's what he requires of you. and want, It's what he wants you to do to give you the best relationship that you could possibly have with him. That's the, the heart of it. It shouldn't be, well, I'm going to fast today because I'm going to get blessed. Well, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and chances are you probably won't get blessed because the motives are not pure. They're, it's, it's not right. And so you got to want to do the prayer and the fasting for the right reasons. And if you're not doing things, those two things or anything spiritual for the right reasons and motives, then you're no better than a Pharisee. You're no better than anybody off the street. So um, that's just the reality of what the power of prayer and fasting can do in and through your life when you give him that area of your life. Fasting's hard, man. It's not easy because the minute you say you're going to fast X, Y, and Z, it could be social media. It could be food. 
It could be a combination of both. The minute you say you're going to give something up, the devil's going to come all guns a blazing at your mind to tell you, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need this. And then he's going to, it's all you're going to think about. Well, not all, but it's, it's going to be heavy on your mind. You're going to be thinking about this. You're going to be thinking about wanting to do that thing or to eat that food if that's what you're fasting. So the assaults will come. I will warn you. That's the warning label. Do, 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 do. Warning. The, fat, the, the results of the devil attacking you will be heavier because the, the reality is the devil won't attack you if you're lukewarm or cold for Christ. He's going to attack you when you're on fire and you're doing things for God because he's scared to death that you're going to make a mark. And he doesn't want you to make a mark on this world for the kingdom. He wants you to just do nothing. It's the easiest way to go to hell. There used to be an old pamphlet. But what's the one thing you got to do to hell to go to hell? And you open up the book and there's nothing there. Nothing. The easiest thing you can do is go to hell. You don't have to do anything. You just sit back and do nothing and you'll end up right there. And we're all headed for it with on our own and on our own recognizance, on our own admission, on our own merits. That's we're destined for it. But God in his mercy sent his son so that we could have everlasting life through that son. And so there's power when you're seeking the face of God. If you're truly seeking God, he'll meet you where you are and he'll turn your mess into a masterpiece. He'll turn your hurt, your ashes into beauty. You know, there was a powerful sermon I heard the other day from uh, a pastor that I haven't heard from in years, honestly. He lives overseas now. And so he was visiting his head church, I guess, and was preaching a sermon. And man, that was some powerful stuff in that sermon. That sermon got me more than most sermons have gotten me in many, 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 many years, many years. Um, and he was talking about how you need to give your pain. Your pain is the main reason why you go, you're going through what you're going through spiritually. You may be spiritually dead. You may be spiritually lukewarm. You may be spiritually cold. You may be spiritually bound by chains of addiction or this, that, and the other. And the reason behind that might be pain. Chances are it's some form of pain, whether it's self-induced, somebody else caused it, whatever the case may be. And he was basically saying the crux of the sermon was this, take your pain to the altar of Jesus and lay it down as an offering because he wants that offering from you and he will exchange it because God doesn't require offerings from us and just to get for us just to give it up. It's an exchange. You give him something, you give him yourself, you give him your pain, you give him something, all these things that are bad for you. Anyways, you give them to God, you give them to Jesus at the altar as an offering and he'll exchange those things, take those ashes, turn them into beauty. And he'll take that pain, that hurt, and he'll give you peace and joy and love and, and power and strength that you've never known before. If you truly and utterly submit down those, those, those pains, those hurts. And that's the hardest thing to do. It's not something we want to do because everything in us tells us, no, he did that to you. No, she did that to you. I'm not ever going to let that go. I can't. You'll never understand me. You'll never understand why this, that, and the other, and so on and so forth. You'll never get it like I get it. You haven't been through what I've been through. And so you want to just everything in humans and us, in you, in me, is hold on to it. Don't let it go. They'll never get it. They'll never understand. If you let go of it, 
you're, you, you'll, it'll happen again. Your insecurities come out. And that's just the reality of what it is. But if you seek God and you take that to the altar as an offering and you lay it down and you just give it to him, just give it to him. And it's amazing what he'll do. I've, I'm living proof. It's amazing what he will do with it. And so back to the answer for the biblical question of the day, which I will reiterate. I hope you took some time during this episode, you know, paying attention to the episode. Yes, but trying to also multitask a little bit and answer this question. Did the devil have a hand in what Jesus did on the cross and him even going to the cross itself? So let me build it up. Did Jesus have a hand? I'm sorry. Did the devil have a hand in Jesus going to the cross itself? The act of him going and dying on the cross for humanity. That picture of Jesus doing the will of God. The answer is flat out no. Because if the devil had a hand in Jesus, if, if the devil wanted Jesus to go to the cross, let's just boil it down to this. This is what I told somebody the other day. If the devil wanted Jesus to go to, to the cross, he would have not tempted him in the garden when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was tempting him. In three different ways, the devil attempted and attacked Jesus. And in my opinion, it was the three ways in which he was the weakest the entirety of his life. That's my opinion. Don't quote me on it. I'll ask him when I get to heaven. It's not, I'm not reading that out of the Bible. That's just my assessment based on what I've come to the conclusion of reading those scriptures. That's just something that was put in me via the Holy Spirit. That's just my belief. And so I just put the caveat in there that it's not, I'm not saying that's in the Bible because it's not, that's my opinion. That's what I, that's the conclusion I've come to via the Holy Spirit helping me come to that conclusion. So I just put that caveat in there. So he was tempted in three different ways, in three ways in which he was the weakest. And those ways were turn the stones into bread. So he was hungry. Well, yeah, he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. I think you'd be a little bit hungry. Now, I don't that doesn't it's, I don't know that it's clear. Maybe some scholars have found it out, but I haven't researched it. In my reading of the Bible, which I've done many times through those scriptures, I haven't d- figured out or determined whether or not, or what day, specifically out of the 40 days, he, uh, the devil came to him with the food test. Was it day three of the fast? Was it day 40? I don't know. Good question. Maybe somebody knows. Maybe you can help me out. Um, I don't know. I can humbly admit that. So with that being said, he was attacked with food. And then he was attacked with the second one was jump off the cliff. Just just do it. He'll catch you. And he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. And he just quoted scripture back to him. And then the third one was basically bow down and worship of me, of, of, to me. Bow down and worship of me. And I will give you all of this. All the world, all, all the kingdoms of the world will be yours. And so I think those were the areas in which he struggled with the most. Why, why would the devil come at you and attack you in areas in which you're strong? He doesn't work like that. He's going to come at you every single time in the same ways in which you are the weakest. He doesn't change his game. He changes the way he goes about his game. But the game, the end result is always going to be the same. If you struggle with uh, anger, he's going to get you every time with anger. He may get you in different strategies and different roundabout ways, but he's going to get you with the same thing because it's what you're weakest in. He's, uh, go at anybody. Go, go to a friend. You're never going to get them at something they're strong at. You're always going to go and try and find the thing they're weakest at and get them with that. Human nature, it's the same with the devil. He's going to do the same thing. That's what he did with Jesus. He got him where he was weakest. Food. 
wanting the kingdoms of the earth, wanting to jump or to test God or whatever the case may be in the second temptation or the second attack was. With that being said, he attacked him in three different ways in which he was weakest. And so he got him in none of those ways. And so if he was attacking, if the devil was attacking Jesus in those three ways and he didn't want him to go to the cross, then why attack him? It, if the end result was the devil wants Jesus to go to the cross, why would he attack God, uh, Jesus in the garden when he was fasting for 40s and 40 nights to try and prevent him from going to the cross? That was the whole intent of him trying to attack him, get him to fall. He didn't want him to go to the cross. So if the devil had a hand in Jesus going to the cross itself, then he wouldn't have done that. Do you see my point? It's just really, it's laying it out, laying it out that simple. He did not have a hand in Jesus going to the cross itself. However, now there is the caveat to that is he did, however, have a hand in the, the fall of man to for man to have need of the cross in the first place. So he didn't have a hand in Jesus going to the cross, but he did have a hand in the fact that humanity needed the cross in the first place because of the fall of Adam and Eve. So that he had a hand in but he did not have a hand in anything involving Jesus and his life and the way he lived it and what he lived it for and him dying on the cross. Because Jesus, I'm um, sorry, the devil knew immediately, immediately that when Jesus conquered death, it was game over. Because the one thing he had over all of humanity is you die, you die, and you die, and you die. And what, what after then? What after then? But now, because of what Jesus did, we have the what after the what after death. Oh, well, I get to go be with Jesus. Whereas before Jesus, they didn't have that hope. They had no hope. Death robbed them of it. So they had nothing. So the devil had that over all humanity for the longest time. And then Jesus came over 2,000 years ago and put it to bed. And the devil has been quaking in his boots ever since. And that's just the reality of that. So... It's a thought-provoking question that I was posed, and it really got me thinking. And I just, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. Nope, not in the actual event of him going to the cross. No, he did not have a hand in that. Because if the devil had a hand in it, why would he attack him and try and prevent him from going to it? Like I said, the devil will not attack you in the areas in which you are the strongest. He will only attack you in the areas in which you are the weakest. And he will only attack you when he doesn't want you to do something that you are planning on or striving to do for God. So if you're not doing anything for God, he's probably going to leave you alone. And he may not always leave you alone either. He'll probably still try and attack you to some extent. It just won't be as hard as, as hard and as heavy as it was with Jesus in particular or others. I mean, for Jesus to have the devil himself attack him, I don't think people think about that enough. I don't think you think about it enough. I don't think I think about it enough. The reality is, is that Jesus had the devil himself come and attack him. You have to really be living for God to have the devil come up in your business and in your life and verbatim come and attack you because God's omnipresent. The devil, he is not. He can only be at one place at one time. So he uses his demons. He uses the fallen angels, which are now demons, to do his dirty work and his billing for him. And the attacking of the mind, the flesh, all of that sin nature, all of that. That's what he uses. He does not and cannot be omnipresent. He cannot and does not and will not ever be omnipresent like God. So he can only be in one place at one time. 
So for him to pick Jesus in the moment of the garden when he was getting tempted, you knew Jesus was about to go do something incredible for God in those next moments of his life. And he did. And he did just like, and he, and he did just that. And it's utterly and completely powerful. Eye-opening, powerful, enlightening, helpful, all the adjectives you can think of under the sun. It's that and it's more. Now, this powerful thought I had about Joseph, you know, I've been reading the book of Genesis to start off the year as I do every year in January, the Bible reading plan that I read. I don't change it. I'm pretty rigid with that. So I read Genesis and just the whole thing of Joseph's resolve and his story. And I don't really think it gets enough in-depth analysis about how he could go through all of what he went through and not curse his brothers and not curse God and not be bitter, but just get jailed and get sold into slavery and almost killed and Potiphar's wife coming after him and accusing him of, of this, that, and the other with lust, perversion, and sexual immorality and getting thrown in jail and, and getting forgotten in jail and all this stuff, just stuff this man went through. And then through all of that, he got raised to prominence because he understood the simple principle of what you go through is all about maturation. It's all about getting you to where God wants you to go taking that clay and molding it in the ways in which God wants you to go. And it's not always pretty and it doesn't always feel good. But if you do what God wants you to do and you get to that end result, man, it's powerful, it's helpful, and it will just transform your life. And just to really have that in-depth analysis and just to be going through that, it's just, man, it just gets you fired up for wanting to serve God. It gets you fired up and teary-eyed and just, you know, God, he, he, you're incredible that you had Joseph go through all of that stuff and you use him as an example for us today, thousands of years later, so that we could see that, you know what? He went through it. I can do it too. I can go through X, Y, and Z and not be bitter toward the person that caused it or threw me there or sold me into slavery or did this or did that or whatever the case may be in our own lives. And it's just crazy, completely and utterly crazy about the process of maturation and growth in, in and through Joseph's life and how we can learn from that example in our own lives. Because chances are we're probably not going to go through even remotely close to what he went through, but it can still be principles that we could apply to our everyday lives, whether in the working environment or whatever the case may be. So the reality is, is that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Man, that's just the most powerful phrase I've heard in the longest time. It's like mind-blowingly simple. It's so simplistic. And I've heard it before, but it just never hit me like it's hit me as of late. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's like, man, you just sit down and you really analyze your life after you hear something like that. And well, am I planning? What am I, what am I doing with my life? Am I just going and winging it? Am I just going through the motions? Am I just living a meaningless life, chasing the wind? Or am I having some kind of sustenance and value and substance and making a difference and an impact? And how I can do that is by planning out, what am I going to do today? What does today look like? How can I make a difference for God this time, this time, this time? It's just really, really powerful and mind-blowingly, extremely great advice, counsel, guidance, 
whatever you want to call it, throw in any object, any adjective you want. That's what it is in a good way, in a godly way. Just make sure they're godly and good adjectives. And another food for thought is that sometimes I heard this recently. Sometimes you learn the best through pain. It's not the truth, unfortunately, because it really, if you just sit back, just sit back for a moment and just take it in and just understand something here. It's human nature. And it's sad. I mean, I kind of laugh because it's just, it's so disgusting and just all you can do is laugh at it. But the reality is, is that God wants to help us. And when we're getting on the wrong track, he wants to get us on the right track, but we're on the wrong track. So to get us on the right track, he tries to do everything in his power to, to prod us via his Holy Spirit, poking our conscience, conscience, con, science with knowledge. That's what a conscience is. And so he does that. He awakens it and he pokes it and prods it, but he only does it for so long. And then all of a sudden he'll start, okay, well, he's not listening to that. So maybe I'll do this. Okay. He ain't listening to that. Maybe I'll do this. And then it gets more painful and more painful and more painful. And it's like, why didn't you just listen when he did the first thing? And that's what I ask myself all the time. I'm like, why didn't I just, why did I have to learn? Why did I have to fall flat on my face for me to get it? Like, what's it going to take for me to get it? And it's a question that I ask myself and it's just sad. And it's, it's really, it boils down to pride. It boils down to not wanting to let your own agenda down and submit it down and let God's agenda become yours. And that's just, that's what it is. If you're just open and honest and real and then really give yourself a self-awareness and have the, a, a honest and true assessment of your value and of your worth and of, of what you're going through in life, you'll really realize that that's what it boils down to. It's just pride. And so you have to remove that pride and get rid of it because it'll destroy you. It just will. Pride comes before destruction, haughtiness before a fall. Always remember that. So as we wrap up this first episode of No Truth Culture, I'm going to lead us into the send-off. And it's going to be the story of hope, the weekly story of hope. Because we need medicine. Yes, medicine's great. Truth is great. It's fantastic. But we need hope. In a fallen world and in a society where it feels like all hope is lost. There's no good people. There's no this. There's no that. And that's what we're bashed with and led with and hit with a two by four over the head with. Every single day you turn on the news. Every single day you do this and you do that. That's what you're hit with. And I do it too. You know, I give you truth. And it, it sucks. It hurts. It's, it's like I said, truth ain't fun. But I give it to you. But I want to end off each episode with the send off and the weekly story of hope. And today's story of hope comes from Buffalo, New York. Good old Buffalo. And that, uh, y'all remember that story of the Buffalo man that was hailed a hero for the snowstorm. So I'm just going to read it to you here from the New York Post. And just bear with me. I'm going to read the, the, the entirety of the article because I just want you to get it. Get, get the meat and potatoes of it. So here it is. A Buffalo man is being hailed as a hero after saving 24 people during last week's brutal snowstorm that dumped up to 50.3 inches in western New York. Jay Whithay's truck got stuck on the road and he was forced to sleep in his vehicle with two strangers. He said, and I quote, I walked to the houses to see if I could find shelter, any house that had lights on. I had $500 that I was offering to sleep on their floor. Whithay told WBEN. After being turned down by everyone, he walked back to his truck defeated and with a new fear he had never experienced. Quote, 
It's the only time in my life I actually thought I was going to die. End quote. Around 6 a.m. on Christmas Eve, and after taking turns running the engine and napping, Whithay's truck ran out of gas, and the trio was forced to find proper shelter. Off to the left, I could see there was a school about six or 700 feet away from us. I knew the power would be on, there would be heat in there, and I was guaranteeing there would be food in there, Whithay told the station. After some quick thinking, Whithay identified others around him who were also stranded and decided to break into the school. Whithay and his crew, a total of about 25, including seven senior citizens, made their way into Pine Hill Primary Center and took shelter, respectfully setting up only what was needed. They set up their main area in the cafeteria, helping themselves only to the food they needed and nothing in the fully stocked freezer, according to the police. As the storm began to move away from the the area late Christmas day and everyone was ready to leave. Merry Christmas Jay found the school snowblower and cleared all the vehicles that belonged to his survival pack. Before leaving, Whithay fixed the broken window using cardboard and duct tape and left a note apologizing for breaking into the school. To whomever it may concern, I'm terribly sorry about breaking the school window and for breaking in the kitchen. The letter wrote, I had to do it to save everyone and to get them shelter and food in a bathroom. Merry Christmas, Jay. School officials in the police department were notified of the window breaking, and after the roads were safe, a police officer checked out the school and found the note, which led them to view the security camera footage. The Cheek Tawaga, I probably butchered that, police department sent out a tweet asking for assistance to find the hero. After several hours of searching, police assured that Whithay will not face any charges, but may face the thanks of a grateful community. Whithay said the survival group is now a family and is planning a summer get-together. This group of amazing people took care of each other and the building they found shelter in, police said. There's hope in the world when you have good people like that willing to sacrifice willing to break into buildings to save the lives of senior citizens in 50 some odd inches of snow, which is getting on 48 inches before four, four feet of snow. So over four feet of snow to avoid dying, he had to do what he had to do, broke into the school, but still was very respectful with the, the trying to limit the damage and then also to limit the damage and um, limit the damage, but then also not eat, them out of house and home or so on and so forth. You know, just take advantage of the situation is the proper word I'm looking for. He didn't do that. They didn't do that. They tried to minimize the impact they made negatively. And it's just, you, do you think about that? And you think about the heroism there and you just, you, you praise that. That's what you want your kids to grow up to be like. That's what you want the society to mean you want the society to have that kind of value and that kind of impact and to make that kind of difference in, in the lives of those that are around that's sacrifice. The dude was getting ready to be on death's door if he didn't figure something out and he could have just left the others there and just gone into school himself. With the two people he was with and called it a night, but no, he saw others stranded and he met the need and that's what life's all about. That's what, that, that, that's what I'm talking about. Who would be at your funeral? He just made, Three, 22 other people are going to be at that man's funeral. He made a forever impact because the article wrapped up by saying they are now a survival group and they're now a family and they're now planning a summer get together. 
So that's just the value and the impact of what your life means or what it can mean and the potential that it can have when you're not chasing the wind, when you're not doing meaningless things that won't have eternal value. That's what chasing the wind is. It boils down to doing things that don't have eternal value and wasting your, your life away on those things. Those, it's not to say that those things are sinful because they may not be. But if they take the place of the doing the things that God wants you to do that do have the impact eternally, then they can become sin. So the reality is, is ask yourself this question when it comes to sin. Does it control you or do you control it? So if the answer is, okay, well, I can have this in my house because it's not controlling me. I have control over it. I have dominion over it because of the Holy Spirit, because of God. That's the, and I'm not just saying, tell everything, everything's sinful, you have dominion over it, and you're good, you can have it in your house. Balance, you know, common sense comes into play here. So you have to use common sense. But I'm saying is that you need to figure out, okay, does it really give yourself an honest assessment? Does it control you? Or do you control it? If it controls you, get rid of it. If it doesn't, it's good. It's okay. And that's just the question you have to ask yourself. And so that's just where we're at. But that's the send off for today. And so um, that's it's just, there's hope in this fallen world. There is still hope. There's still a God that loves. There's still a God that saves and souls are getting redeemed. And, you know, four feet of snow, as cold as Buffalo, New York is, that's by Niagara Falls. It's not very warm there in the winter. Um they're, they're touching lives. They're making a difference. They're going to make impact and trying to strive and thrive to be and hold and have a good testimony. And I'm not saying the guy's saved. I have no idea. I'm just saying that the guy did something good and he did something he ought to be proud of. And that's what we all should be striving for. And I'm not saying go be stupid and go look for it. I'm just saying that when the opportunity presents itself, that you make the most of it and you do what God wants you to do. And you say yes to God and no to sin and stop being a slave to sin. And be a slave to the one that loves you and that gave, gave up his only son so that you could have everlasting life. If you but trust in him and turn to him and uh, repent. Repent just simply means to take a 180 degree turn from where you are to where you need to be. So you're on this path that's headed to hell. That's sin. Take 180 degrees and go the complete opposite direction. Go toward heaven. Go toward the pearly gates. And, and that's just what it is. And so when you make that determination and you do that, you're going you're gonna to have the victory. You're going to win. You're going to be successful for God, for the world, and you're going to make an impact. And chances are you will have a lot of people at your funeral. And praise be to God for that. Don't, you know, pat yourself on the back. That's okay to, to, to an extent, you know, pat yourself on the back. Good job, good job. But then all glory be to God. And that's just what, what it ought to be. And then what we, what we ought to be doing. And so with that, um, that's the send off. And... That's the story of the weekly story of hope from this uh, guy from Buffalo, New York. And I, I'm at a loss for words with just how powerful that story truly and really is. And uh, I just hope that it made as much of an impact in you as it did me. So that's just what it is. So thank that man. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you are. And uh, I just want to take this time and pray. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. You are who you say you are, and you don't lie. You are not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. You say it, you make it good. Your promises are yea and amen. They are not broken, and your word does not return void. There is somebody here within the sound of my voice, Lord, that, that wants to have a close-knit 
relationship with you that is intimate and personal and real and sincere. And I pray that you would move in their heart right now as we pray, as I pray, that you'd move in their heart and save them from themselves, from this world, from this fallen and lost and hopeless and meaningless pursuit of sin and help them to make that 180 degree turn to repent and to trust in you. And I'm giving them over to you and just ask that you'd strengthen them and bless them with peace that surpasses all understanding because of prayer, supplication, and, and thanksgiving and joy that comes from you. And that they wouldn't give it away freely and that they wouldn't allow anybody or anyone to steal it from them in any ways, shapes, or forms either. And so I just pray this in your mighty son's name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. No Truth Culture is created, recorded, edited, and produced by our production company, Pearly Gates USA, which is owned and operated by our parent company, The Big Time USA. Make sure that you follow the podcast and turn the notifications on by hitting the icon so that you get alerted about every new episode as soon as it's released. Do you hate listening to ads and sponsorships? Well, say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and much, much more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. To make a one-time financial gift, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once you're on the website, click on support. With your financial support, you make all of this possible. So thank you. Well, the Band-Aid has been ripped off. So it's time to ask yourself one final question. Has the truth set you free so that you can be free indeed? For myself, Mr. Misunderstood, and the rest of our team here at Pearly Gates USA and the Big Time USA, thank you so much for your loyal listening. And we look forward to you listening again next episode.